Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again for joining me here on Tuesdays for Tomorrow as we continue in our new 25-episode series about the First World War entitled The Trench. Tonight's episode, ladies and gentlemen, will be focused on the Eastern Front in 1914 as we look at the war, Tannenberg, here on The Trench. When the war broke out in the autumn of 1914, most nations at the eve of the battle, of the first battles when the, that were being fought in places such as over by Austria-Hungary, they tried to seize the country of Serbia, who later resisted against the Austro-Hungarian army, whose ruler was named Franz Joseph I, who was the Kaiser of that nation. But it was on the Western Front, on the European continent, that the Germans rolled out their Schlieffen Plan, a very tireless motion to quickly steamroll across neutral Belgium, who they chose to fight and was later whose defenses was later crushed by the Imperial Germans' army, armies as a huge, heaviest, and longest, loudest cannon named Big Bertha that ultimately forced the little tiny nation of Belgium to fight alongside the allied nations of the United Kingdom, France, and Tsarist Russia. The Germans, however were later stopped at the Battle of the Marne, or at least the first Battle of the Marne, which both Belgian, Belgian military forces were later joined by Britain and her vol- all-volunteer army, known back then as the British Expeditionary Force, or the BEF, that was led at the time by Sir John French, as well as the French Army General of Joseph Genre, who led the uh, French army at the time that was further halting the uh, the German army's advance while they were being led by one Count von Schlieffen at the time on the Western Front. But tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be looking at the Eastern Front in 1914, in which the ill-equipped and very poorly led Imperial Russian Army had suffered its great defeat at the hands of the German Army over what, what was then in East Prussia. And so, ladies and gentlemen, for tonight's episode here on The Trench, broadcasted to you live from Tuesdays for Tomorrow, my podcast, we'll be looking at the Battle of Tannenberg of 1914. So join me tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as we look at that battle all together. When Tsarist Russia, also known as the Russian Empire that was ruled back then in the early 20th century by its Tsar, 
named Nicholas II of the Romanov dynasty. It was a it was once the once powerful and largest military force on the face of the planet at that time, having been made up by hordes and hordes of Imperial Russian troops, Cossack mounted troops, large large regiments of batter artillery batteries, including a modest air arm that included several hundreds of airships and imported French-made biplanes and scout planes. But when Imperial Russia or the Russian Empire had entered the war by the late autumn to early winter of 1914, its military force back then was led by two known Imperial Russian military commanders. One was by the name of Alexander Samanov, and the other one was named Paul von Wenenkampf, who there was placed over, who had his commanding officer known as Yuri Danilov back then. Before the Battle of Tannenberg had broken out on the Eastern Front, there was a plan advised by the Imperial Russian general named Yuri Danilov. That plan was Plan 19, which called for the immediate invasion of East Prussia and to annex its territories. But what happened was that plan was never executed and all those Imperial Russian Army regiments that were stationed on the Eastern Front were actually split in two. That later coordinated the invasion of East Prussia. Hopefully, they were to win, thinking that it was such a good idea to split the Imperial Russian Army that was on the Eastern Front at the time into two separate army forces one commanded by Alexander Samanov and the other one commanded by Paul von Renenkampf, who later crossed over the Manchurian lakes of the eastern Prussian countryside and was later smashed by the Imperial German army forces during the battle. But as the war still continued on the western front in late 1914, there were grave concerns among the Imperial German High Command about Russia invading the German Empire from the east. To solve that, the Kaiser had pulled his most trusted Imperial Russian Army commanders that were on the Eastern Front and moved them towards the more Eastern Front. Their names were Paul von Hindenburg, who later became, in many years later, the president of the Weimar Republic before the rise of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi Party by 1933, and Erich Ludendorff, a prominent supporter of the Nazi Party in, in, in his later years. These two men were be the Imperial Russian commanders that both General Samanov and General Renenkampf would have to face 
at the Battle of, Battle of Tannenberg by then. But first, ladies and gentlemen, before we go into in-depth with this battle, let's take a look at the Battle of Tannenberg from a landscape point of view. Eastern Europe back then had consisted of the following countries. Imperial Germany, the Russian Empire, Austria-Hungary, Romania, and Bulgaria back then. It has been said that the Russian Empire, with its czar named Nicholas II, was the largest country there ever was back then in their heyday. As for the Battle of Tannenberg itself, it took place in, eastern, in the eastern Prussian parts of Imperial Germany, now parts of the Kaliningrad district of, Russia, of the Russian Federation, Poland, parts of Belarus, Latvia, Lithuania, and even a part of Estonia, the Baltic states. But back then, it used to be a forest's wetland with the Manchurian lakes that later bordered the Polish part of Imperial Russia near the, the current capital city of Warsaw. When the Imperial Russian army went to war in 1914, it had at disposal thousands and thousands and thousands of eager, battle-ready Russian troops. But as they were eager to fight for their czar and their country back then, they were also poorly led and very ill-equipped. Some Imperial Russian army Regiments back then during the battle even had no rifles that had or were rationed. The same with artillery shells and artillery cannons. Those who were lucky got to see action. Plan 19 had called for this, ladies and gentlemen. It had called, as what Yuri Danilov, one of the infamous Imperial Russian army commanders of, of the time, the same with Alexei Brusilov, who later became the chief architect of his own military offensive known as the Brusilov Offensive that took place in two years later in 1916 on the Eastern Front. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, back to the original subject of tonight's episode. To put, to actually put the, to put Yuri Darlov's plan to action, which was known as Plan 19, he had originally called for the two, the largest massive Imperial Russian army that was stationed on the Eastern Front to be split in two. One will be headed by Russian Army General Alexander Samanov to the north, and then the other one will be led by Paul von Rennenkampf to the south in the hopes of invading, overwhelming the 
Imperial Russian garrison army lines there and capturing the Imperial Russian or should we say the Imperial German um, region of East Prussia for the Russian Empire. To counter this supposedly clever trick Imperial Russian army move, Kaiser Wilhelm II of Imperial Germany had sent two of his bravest and brightest Imperial Russian army commanders to the Eastern Front, whereas the war was already developing on the Western Front between the countries of Belgium, the United Kingdom, and especially France. Their names were Paul von Hindenburg, later an outstanding World War I Imperial Russian Army General who later became President of the Wehrmacht Republic after the war, and Erich Ludendorff, who later became a staunch Nazi Party supporter who later took part in the Birhal Putsch of 1923. When the Battle of Tannenberg began, most of these Two sides were heavily clashing with each other. It was also the absolute brilliant thinking plans of both Hindenburg and Ludendorff that if it wasn't for their absolute intellectual offensive suggestions, both armies of Redenkopf and Samanov would have been halted at the eastern Eastern Front. It was also during the time, ladies and gentlemen, that despite the war proceeding rapidly as as it was expected on the Western Front, the Eastern Front was no different. But instead, what really happened at the Battle of Tannenberg actually proved proved to be one of the costliest victories that ever to be suffered by the Russian Empire and its military force. When the two sides later joined arms at the Battle of Tannenberg, it was often snowy. Some people, such as the Imperial Russian Army, were shooting at the Imperial German armies as troops either from the forests trees, or even from discarded or abandoned buildings that were located near the battlefront. It was a very bloody battle in which both armies of Renenkampf and Samanov were completely destroyed by the quick reaction and bright thinking Imperial German armies of both Hindenburg and Ludendorff. So the main question to you all is, ladies and gentlemen, was what went wrong? Well, first of all, the Imperial Russian Army at the time in late 1914 on the Eastern Front, some of them were ill-equipped. Some of them had to resort to -to hand-to-hand battles or fighting with sabers because they had no rifles. Some of them had to use whatever they can find. Even artillery... shells also had to be rationed as well as their rifles and their sabers. 
they would just immediately throw themselves at the guns and rifles and artillery cans of the Imperial German Army by then, of the two infamous German Army commanders, and be wiped out themselves. But supposedly for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, my new wonder question for you all today here in this episode of The Trench. Supposedly, the Imperial German armies of both Renenkampf and Semenov, who later shot himself after the Imperial Russian army had lost the Battle of Tannenberg at the time, supposedly the Imperial Russians were victorious. Would the infamous Russian Revolution of 1917 occur back then? Probably not. Or supposedly if the Imperial Russian Army altogether, if they linked up at the Mercurian Lakes and at Tannenberg in East Prussia, and what if they were able to push back the Imperial German Army army forces of both Hindenburg and Ludendorff? Would Russia would make significant gains on the Eastern Front? Could be. Could be not. It was often at that time that, yes, the Battle of Tannenberg that we just profiled tonight, ladies and gentlemen, was actually one of Imperial Russia's most greatest defeats during the First World War in 1914. Although the Battle of the Marne back then on the Western Front had actually led to both the Belgian, British, and French armies digging trenches and the absolute beginning of trench warfare, as well as elsewhere, the Italians later attacked the Austro-Hungarian forces near the Italian Alps in, in hopes to push Austria-Hungary out of the war, in which they were unsuccessful, often resorting to mountainous warfare between the two sides, to the Austro-Hungarians still being besieged with the Serbians in the Balkans. Let it be known, ladies and gentlemen, that the Battle of Tannenberg itself, back in late 1914, will be one of the most greatest causes that will later, three and a half years later, that will ultimately lead Tsar Nicholas II to abdicate the Russian throne and to go into exile via house arrest in Siberia with his family. It will also be one of the leading causes of the Russian Revolution of 1917, long before the United States had entered into the war on the Allied side. And so, ladies and gentlemen, thus concludes tonight's episode, this fifth episode here on my new World War I-themed series of The Trench. And I do hope, ladies and gentlemen, that you enjoyed this series as much as I do. It has been a very huge privilege and honor to be narrating this new podcast series for you all. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I'll bid you all good night. May God bless all of us, our children, and our planet. And I really want you to think, not panic. <laughs>